I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, and you're listening to Between Two White Coats, a weekly podcast where we dig into key issues surrounding health and wellness. I'm a family medicine doctor, and my co-host, Amber Foster, is a family medicine nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We are taking some of our biggest questions, obstacles, and patient-centered advice and wrapping it into a 20-minute weekly podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have found this podcast helpful, give us a five-star rating and review. This helps other people find our podcast. And make sure you share it with your friends. Thank you for your time. We look forward to serving you. In our first series, we bring you the story of Amber's dad, Reverend Michael Welburn. For decades, he gave little thought to his health or diet and never went to the doctor. It eventually caught up to him in a big way and nearly cost him his life. Reverend Wilburn shares with us what led to this medical episode, what it's taught him, and how he's been managing the miracle ever since. We hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to go through this season um, by really trying to let people know why your doctors and nurse practitioners annoy you, why we do the things we do that might drive you crazy, so we're really trying to take an opportunity to let people know that there actually is a reason behind why we do the things we do and make the decisions we make, or more importantly, ask you to do the things that we ask you to do. So we want to start by really talking about preventive medicine and maintenance medicine and ways that we keep ourselves healthy so that we don't end up in a bad situation. Um, Amber and I have way too many years of experience of seeing people end up in a bad situation. And our goal is always to take what we know and try to keep you from getting sick. Because if we can keep you from getting sick, that is so much easier for you. And to be honest, so much easier for us as your providers <laughs> yes. than trying to get you back from sickness. So we're really thrilled to have a very special guest with us today. Um, which is uh, Pastor Michael Welburn, who is Amber's daddy. Um, we had uh, situations last year in the midst of a pandemic and a lot of other barriers where uh, Michael had uh, some own personal health crisis, which of course, as Amber's dad, made Amber in her own crisis <laughs> of worrying about and making sure her dad yes. was okay. And so uh, if we can introduce uh, Michael Wilburn, and thanks for joining us. Um, we want to start, if you don't mind, um, I'm going to let Amber talk about what you did for health prevention and frequency of visits and the relationship that you had with your doctors, pretending that you had them. I know. Um, and, then, and then we're going to come to you and you let us know about that day where it all changed last year um, and health became a priority, even though you didn't choose for it to become a priority. So dad's health visits prior to May 28th of last year was me going, dad, I think you have sleep apnea. Dad, you need to get your blood pressure checked. You know our family history. My grandparents, um, his dad and his mother both have health issues. And then going beyond that, like my great grandparents, which would have been his grandparents, have significant family history. And so I'm like, dad, just go get, go get some blood work. Like just you, you're almost 60. You've not had your colonoscopy, you know? So I'm in my mind panicking about all the things that 
um, I don't even know, Dad, if you've seen this in the office when you've been here, but like I have a board on my wall in my room that's like, hey, these are the preventative things that you need to do. So I look at that, you know, 25, 30 times a day when I walk into a room. And so I'm like, and my mother hadn't done it either. So, I mean, we're picking on my dad, but my mom has not been the best either. So I'm preventative. And so I'm like, you've got to go get this stuff done. And then um, he didn't. And so, uh, Dad, tell us what happened last year. For uh, allowing me to share my story today, and uh, I wish I hadn't uh, been put into a position to be able to share this kind of uh, of story. But it, it's a it's a it, it is it is a good story, and uh, I am daily walking in uh, in health, trying to maintain what I should have done for years prior to. Um, Amber may not even remember this, but probably when I was in my late 30s, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and uh, took blood pressure medicine for a while and uh, probably a couple of years. And we made some moves and this sort of thing. And me being the pastor that I am, uh, one of the one of our beliefs uh, is that God is a healer. And I, I got to a point, I said, God, you're either a healer or you're not. And so I stopped taking my blood pressure medicine, probably in my early 40s, something Which like that. Which we do not recommend. Right. For the next 19 years, 20 years, um, as Amber chose her profession and, and began taking care of people, she would always kind of just give me the rundown when she would visit of what was wrong with me. And I'd say, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But on May 28th of last year, I had, um, hadn't felt good for about five or six days. Uh, got in, was, had gotten to the place where I was having difficulty breathing. Uh, not that I couldn't breathe. It just hurt, but it wasn't anything that I couldn't manage. I had gotten a phone call that morning for one of our parishioners who was going through some health issues and I'd gone to their home to pray with them. And uh, they were, his wife had cooked lunch and the smell nauseated me so much. And uh, I thought if I can just pray quick and I can get out of here and if I can go through Sonic and get a cold slushy, uh, I'll be here because I was sweating. I was hot and uh, I had to go a detour longer route than I normally did. Went by, uh, Sonic got to the church and stepped out of the car. And when I stepped out of the car, our offices are on a third floor of a building. Something said to me, something internal said, you're not going to make it up the stairs. And so I sat there, turned the air conditioner on as cold as I could, wind blowing in my face, the air conditioner, got out, tried to make myself sick, tried to throw up, couldn't throw up. And eventually uh, I sat down in the car and I said, God, I don't have time for a heart attack. And when I said that, I knew what was going on. The elephant on the chest, you know, all the things that doctors will tell you or you hear of other people, pain down the arm. Uh, my elephant wasn't a big elephant. I, I, I tell people that, but it was still an elephant. I knew something was wrong and very uh, luckily, if, if you want to say luck, I think it's probably more of a blessing right down the hill from our church is a, is a fire station. So I went down to the fire station and, uh, I told them, I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. They knew who I was. And I said, uh, 
just need you to check me out. And so they began pulling all the machinery out and they said some things that kind of startled me. Uh, and then some things that didn't startle me. And, and uh, he led me to believe that my, it may not really was my heart. He said, well, I've never seen that before. It's been, or he said, it's been 20 years since I've seen something like that. The paramedics started coming around. They started pointing. And uh, I said, well, if it's not my heart, I said, you don't have to send me to the hospital. And they said, oh, yes, we need to send you to the hospital uh, because my blood pressure was like 200 over 140, 130. I forget. I mean, it was just outrageous. And they started giving me nitro, made the three-mile journey to the um, hospital. Once I got to the hospital, long story short there, COVID regulations, everything that we had to do based on that, uh, they did get me into the uh, ER and the doctor, emergency room doctor came to me and said, uh, Mr. Welburn, we need to get you into the cath lab right now. You are having a heart attack right now. And so within a matter of 10, 15 minutes, you know, phone calls were made uh, to my wife, to my family, um, trying to uh, get everything in line. And they take me into the triage room. And I mean, within a matter of minutes, you know, cutting clothes off, uh, doing everything that they do and they wheel me into the cath lab. And so uh, that's kind of what happened. And it was, uh, of course, neglect. You know, the things that, uh, that I suffered on that day was because I had not taken care of myself. I was very overweight, uh, which we can talk about that probably maybe in a little while, maybe some questions that you're gonna ask because there was multiple things that took place on that day. When was the last time you had been to a doctor's office or seen a healthcare provider prior to that? 2020, probably. Um, 20 years, at least. Yeah, 19, 20 years. Had you done any monitoring on your blood pressure or had you just kind of given that to God and then not, <laughs> not been inconvenienced with it? Gave it to God, and he really didn't at that time didn't see too, seem too concerned. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if so, you, you didn't hear the concern being. I was uh, concerned. I was yapping. Right, right. And I mean, there were other other things looking back, Doctor Plaster. Now that I see, um, it wasn't that I was scared of going to the doctor. I think it was probably being scared of what I would find out, as Amber said severe family history on both sides, my maternal and paternal, um, everything from cancer to dementia, to high blood pressure, to- Heart attack. Heart disease, um, and the list goes on and on. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing up the why, because I think that it's easy for us to tell people what they're supposed to be doing, um, but we really need to address why people have reasons why they're not. and. I think sometimes it starts with something as easy as it's inconvenient, I'm busy, and so I don't feel blood pressure, it's not causing me pain, so maybe you run out of your prescription and you don't refill it, and then maybe you don't go back because you're busy, or maybe because you don't want the doctor to yell at you because you haven't been on your medicine, um, or because you feel great. And so, you know, why am I wasting my time and money doing that if I feel great, but hypertension is a silent killer. You feel great until you don't. And you can have, you, who knows how long your blood pressures were running really high before they got to the point of symptoms. And so, you know, sometimes feeling great doesn't mean everything's working great. 
Um, and then I think you bring a really important point. Sometimes we don't do something we know we're supposed to do, and it makes it harder to do it later. I think you probably see this in your profession as a pastor, where if you haven't been to church in a month, and then six months, and then three years, it gets harder to go back. You're thinking someone's going to come up and point out that I haven't been here, <laughs> and I'm going to feel bad about that. And so your guilt of not doing what you're supposed to do starts to kick in, um, and then I think it gets harder to you. But I, we are we are not here to say there aren't a hundred good reasons why people don't go to the doctor regular or stay up on visits um, or get their blood pressure medicines refilled and such. Um, but we are here to say that there are probably double the amount of good reasons why you should. Well, and another thing for my parents, my from the time died that you were thirty, so I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was young. Um, is that you move several times. So like not being able to build a rapport or having to start over, I think that's a big um, yeah. you know, block for people who, you know, if you move, I'm trying to think, we probably moved three or four times in that time from the time that you were 30 until now. And so, and like, not just like down the road, like city to city, like states. Yeah. So, you know, trying to build rapport, I think that matters too, because we love his cardiologist, <laughs> you know, and like he has a great rapport with Dr. Lee. Um, and so anyways, I think that matters too. So that's, that's one thing I think that people see as like, well, I don't know anybody. I don't know who to go to, where to, you know, wow. am I going to like them? And um, relocating's hard. There's a lot of things you have to do. So you might not get around to the things that aren't screaming at you. Yeah. Got to get your kids enrolled in school and get the house and whatever. Yeah. You don't have to find a doctor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unless you really have to, unless something bad happens. So you had, you went to the cath lab. And they cleaned out some blocked vessels um, and you stayed in the hospital for a little while and received some other diagnosis. What? I'm sorry. Now, I was just going to say, take us through the rest of that hospitalization. Okay. Um, what took place was uh, immediately they found out that I had uh, a blockage that was causing the heart attack. It was uh, on the lower, if I'm trying to think, Amber probably can remember, I think lower right side was the, where I received the stent. And it was, it was uh, crazy because, of course, when you're in that um, uh, situation and you're not, not sure what's going on uh, other than you're having a heart attack, and I could hear the doctor and I could hear the people that were in the room with him and they were laughing and they were giddy. And it was like, oh, look at that. And wow, look, you know. You're like, oh, no, oh, no. Most of the time, and they told me after the fact, was they see patients, uh, they give patients um, stints. Um, most of the time, he said, after the fact. Uh, because I was having the heart attack right then, they could see the immediate results of when the, the artery was opened up. And my wife, uh, she could probably tell the story better I, than I could. And she probably would be another great story one day to tell on the spouse's side of maybe some things that are going on with, with when your, your spouse is going through health issues. But she saw the video and the doctor said, watch this. And uh, it was like almost like a tree with roots and you could see the blood as it trickled down, she said. And, that, and she, she would do that. And she said it was like life was coming back into the heart. Uh, of course, uh, there was, we feel that there was God moments, even in the midst of all the panic that we were going through. 
uh, as we were as we were going into the cath lab or as the doctor was going into the cath lab there was another doctor that was there and uh, uh on the same day and when they came out he handed him my folder he said i need you to look at this and so that began a, a process of me not just seeing a heart doctor but i saw a heart surgeon i saw I was diagnosed with several things. I was diagnosed with, of course, the heart disease, high blood pressure. I was diagnosed with diabetes. My diabetes, I think if I'm not, uh, if I remember correctly, it was like over, my numbers were over 300, which told them. They've uh, been there a while. My, I'd had, you know, sugar issues for a while. My A1C was 8.7, I think, um, close to nine. Uh, I course about a week and a half later went through sleep study was diagnosed with sleep apnea uh stage three kidney failure which means uh, he, he well dad you needed surgery that's right but you needed he needed open heart surgery but couldn't have surgery because of his kidney disease because they had right. given him the dye so then we after that like we had to wait to have the open heart surgery right they, they told me i wasn't strong enough to make it through a surgery um and uh the doctor he said you need to go home and you need to sit and he said, you've got to rest. And uh, while the stent surgery was very successful, uh, because my body and my system was so out of whack, and you all would understand that and could explain to um, those that are listening what, what that means. But I remember my heart surgeon coming in. His name was Dr. Casterline. Dr. Lee was my, is my heart uh, doctor. Dr. Casterline was my heart surgeon. Dr. Casterline asked me a question. He said, how long has it been since you felt good? And I didn't know that I didn't feel good um, because I had, had neglected my health. And, and honestly, um, for a pastor, this is difficult to say, but that probably was sin in my life. I wasn't taking care of the, uh, the, the temple. <laughs> God has, you know, based on my religious preferences, I wasn't taking care of, of the, the body uh, and that's wrong. That's, that's a, I'm not saying it's a sin that'll send you to hell or whatever we believe, however we believe, you know, but it's a sin that could send me to the grave. Uh, and I was probably headed to the grave. And um, when he said, how long has it been since you felt well, I thought, well, this has been my way of life. I didn't know I felt bad. We like to leave you on a good note. And today's tell me something good is education. As kids return to school, I find myself thankful for all my loving teachers. The people who influenced my entire life by the impact they had on me at school. Years of college that led me to an opportunity to become a doctor and the true opportunity to be educated, which is a blessing that's not available to all. Teachers and our schools and the gained knowledge that we get from school is truly something good. Thanks for allowing us to share your time today. Until next time, take care of yourself.